Hello and welcome back to the Night After podcast. We're back after after the long, hard winter break. And I'm here with our delightful co-host, Genevieve, <laughs> to discuss what we like, what I like to call the American pieification of comedy, which is basically how in 2023, we noticed that throughout the year, there was a resurgence of this R-rated style goofy comedy. And so we want to talk about some of the movies that did that well and that what this means for comedy in the future. Um, hi, I'm Genevieve. I've been on the podcast a, a few times now. Um, I run film club here at Bowie with Audrey, and I'm also an officer for the Starlight Theater Company, and I love movies, and I'm excited to talk about some. So I think we have to start the discussion with the fan favorite of the year, absolute cult classic, Bottoms, which features um, Ayu Debri and Rachel Sennett. I don't know if I said Rachel Sennett. Sennott? Sennott? Senno? I don't know how to say her last name, but mm-hmm. it is a movie, which I don't think we've discussed on the podcast, but it is about, it's basically gay, <laughs> liberal fight club, and it's produced by Elizabeth Banks, who did Pitch Perfect and Cocaine Bear, and I think that Elizabeth Banks had a big influence on this year, but just bringing back like the comedy style, I think, is perfectly encapsulated in Bottoms. Absolutely. It's totally... I saw um, a lot of comparisons, people online comparing it to American Pie, people online comparing it to Superbad. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely a lot of classic comedy uh, tropes and uh, elements like uh, the blooper reel at the end, mm-hmm. uh, which I think that, like, it's been a year. We think about where we are in the world of now. It's 2024. Um, the pandemic and lockdown was not that long ago. I think that, like, we're still coming off the heels of, like, global mental health crisis and a lot of sadness. And I think it's interesting that... Um, recently we've seen such a big like almost rise and like renaissance of like of like sort of like really silly uh comedy that you can just that's easy to digest because I think a lot of people still are just like don't want to sit down with like a gritty drama I mean obviously there's been plenty but I think that's part that can definitely be is part of why we've seen such like a big resurgence in that style of comedy which I love I've been loving the resurgence and bottoms is like one of my favorite things to come out of 2023 I thought it was really great Mm -hmm. and I think that nostalgia plays such a huge part in Gen Z especially after like the COVID-19 lockdown people were just stuck at home and just like reminiscing about times before the pandemic and I think that has completely like shifted the way our society has been like I would say our generation is so fixated on um, just kind of reclaiming some of this and it's in fashion trends being pulled from like Y2K and 90s and now 2010s like people pulling so much inspiration from their childhood and so now that you know there's the people who were just teens and the lockdown like growing up and actually getting roles and parts in like media now and even on TikTok but even now more so in um 
film and TV, you can like kind of see that influence, especially like the director of Bottom quoted um, Not Another Teen Movie, the Bring It On, like a lot of these just goofy teen movies that we haven't really seen in a while. Because I feel like there's, um, before the pandemic, there was a huge jump of like kind of losing teenhood and kind of going from being a child to being an adult. And you could see that in like these like CW shows like Riverdale that kind of promoted these adult behaviors in teenagers. And so I, I think it's a really good thing that we're bringing back like absolutely teen movies for teens like Riverdale Euphoria. Like we don't need to be I agree. doing crazy adult things. Because we're the adultification of teenhood and that was that gap year I mean we've seen it just a lot we're kind of we've just been losing those years a lot of people myself included feel felt like you know they missed out on part of their growing up because of Mm -hmm. lockdown um, and everything going on in the world all the travesty felt like you had to grow up really fast felt like you were missing out really important parts of your development because you're stuck in your house and like Mm -hmm. it's been still a weird transition from that and I think we've seen online uh, especially with like like, we've seen a lot of, like, little kids online, you know, with, like, the skincare yes. obsession and the obsession the with, like, Stanley Cups. Like, I feel like we're starting to get our, like, high school mm-hmm. age back, but now it's kind of the the middle schoolers and the gen, exactly. gen alpha. They're sort of skipping their awkward phase and really rushing to grow up, and we've really been losing that, just, like, allowing kids to be, be where kids. they're at to be kids mm-hmm. and to go through awkward parts of development. And I, so I think it's really great to see like a classic teen movie where kids aren't necessarily like doing like getting up to crazy bad behavior, even though that mm-hmm. is definitely entertaining and it is true for some teenagers. I think it's important to like that we're still, we're getting back to some of our more classic roots. Mm-hmm. Another movie that I think is, it's not as close to Bottoms, but came out this fall, I believe. It was, you are so not invited to my bar mitzvah. And this, I think, really exemplifies that example of, like, getting back a middle school because it's it's Adam Sandler and his two daughters. And it takes place when she's just 13. And, like, I think it's so fascinating how, like, we, we just kind of started to scratch the surface a little about the Gen Alpha and these middle school young teens like 12 13 14 but I don't know like it was really nice to see um you are so not invited to my bar mitzvah because it really brought me back to watching like the Judy Moody in high school movie in uh, middle school movies and the Jessica Darling's the it list like just <laughs> those and like dork diaries you know what I mean like stuff that was actually so like early teens like the preteen age so I think it's so interesting to see that research just because I haven't seen a teen movie like that like a preteen movie like that in years absolutely I think what um to bring back to go back to bottoms uh I think we've seen a lot of teen representation in media that just didn't feel like a very complete picture like maybe sort of idealized in some ways I think a lot of protagonists especially female protagonists in media for young people have to be really perfect they have to be really politically correct they have to always be the morally righteous one and especially with queer representation in media it's uh, you never see like I think what we kind of got in bottoms which was so refreshing was like uh 
these gay girls that are like uh, say offensive stuff mm-hmm. um, are not to- not totally morally righteous. Like are, are completely not morally righteous. <laughs> like are deeply flawed to, to bang cheerleaders. Like. Yeah, there. But it's like I found that so refreshing because. Often in uh, a lot of media, it feels like uh, teenagers and, and young women, and especially and like queer, uh, like uh, queer characters, have to be the these like perfect representations. And it's not a full. We don't get that full story and full human uh, look into those characters. I just thought I just it was it meant a lot to me that we got to see that sort of. Uh, being depicted in yeah. in bottoms it just felt really refreshing and like mm-hmm. actual like queer storytelling jumping to another somewhat teen movie somewhat young adult somewhat teen movie that features a kid is the delightful to watch grooming relationship of um no hard feelings <laughs> with um Jennifer Lawrence and the kid who plays Dear Evan Hansen on Broadway. Who was fabulous. Fabulous. But again, I think this movie, it follows, I don't. I also don't know if we talked about this on the podcast, but it follows um, Jennifer Lawrence who plays a 30-year-old who finds an eBay ad mm-hmm. or a Craigslist ad by two parents asking for someone to date their son who's, I think, 19 and just kind of get him ready for college and like the real world and try to mature him a little bit and I think this movie it definitely crossed some lines and it was a little bit groomy but I don't know I think a lot of the themes that we were touching on about like having to grow up really fast and like having to like try to find yourself on someone else's account and not necessarily your own was also kind of a subtopic of this and how even the parents, all of the factors of this movie kind of taking in this 19-year-old kid and trying to get him to grow up, you know? Yeah, I thought it was, I think they, it's very obvious when you watch it, like his age, I think a lot of us treat 18, 19, those ages as a full-grown adult, and even though you are an adult uh, in the eyes of the law, it's still a really young age and you are still a teenager and a really young person. And I think they really did depict that. And it does make it more uncomfortable to watch and for I some think reason. It's definitely good that they did. Yeah. Because it would be so much worse than seeing the relationships in Euphoria where it's Jules who is, you know, a 17-year-old who's depicted as, you know, a, a 25-year-old actress. Yeah, she looks like an adult, you know? like a fully grown adult because the actress is a fully grown adult. Exactly. So even though I don't think the actor who played the main boy was necessarily like 18, 19, but he was in his early 20s, 21, 22, maybe 23 mm-hmm. is the oldest. And he looks young. But his like personification of this child was really good. And w- this also kind of touches, we're not trying to make this, this oh terrible, sad story of Child who was groomed. It was a very um, lighthearted and funny movie that um, I think it kind of touched on those age and growing up in a more sensitive way that um, the Jennifer Lawrence character just kind of saw him more as a friend. Like she was supposed to like date him, but they really just kind of found a friendship and like a kinship where her character was also kind of trapped in her childhood and like reminiscing on her mom's house that she was trying to save 
and she acted very childlike. So seeing kind of both of them mature, I think was interesting and also kind of comments on how young adults can, especially now, kind of lost their childhood and are also kind of trying to reclaim it. Yeah, I thought the relationship was really interesting. I think I was just like, oh, where are we going with this? You yeah. know, how should I feel about this? Especially because I was kind of into it. We saw it together <laughs> and I was kind of like, why are they kind of cute together? I know, and you're like, oh, that's wrong. Uh-huh. And um, I think part of it is that once again, it's an example similar to Bottoms where it's not morally righteous. And I mm-hmm. think that it's sort they, of like exemplifies... They know she's a bad, mm-hmm. morally gray character. His parents are morally gray, everyone. It exemplifies how I think audiences are maybe getting tired of these... Uh, perfect politically correct representation. Not to say that that's a bet being a politically thing. correct is a bad thing. It absolutely isn't. But I think that feeling like you have to have perfect protagonists, it's really stifling. And I think it's we're seeing the resurgence of that sort of like uh, very like uh, gross potentially raunchy comedy is mm-hmm. like sort of people uh, wanting to get away from the pressures of uh, perfection, especially in a world where there's so much information coming at you all the time and you want to get everything right. I think it's just like this more simplistic, like we're going to do offense, potentially offensive uh-huh. things. We're going to be uh, morally gray. We're going to be gross. And I think it's just like that's kind of what audiences want right now. Mm-hmm. And that's what being human is. You can't be perfect. You know what I mean? So it's really refreshing. Yeah. yeah. We can also talk about the separate genre, which is more of the horror slasher flick that is a little bit goofier. It's not (laughs) super serious. It is my favorite genre, horror comedy. And we had many additions to this genre this year with vampire Aquafina featuring movies such as (laughs) Redfield. Aquafina featured is its own genre. It is. Um, Cocaine Bear, also written by Elizabeth Banks, queen of Pitch Perfect. Um, And one of my favorites, Thanksgiving, which I affectionately call Thanksgiving. All of these movies, I don't know, which which ones have you seen, Evie? You know, I've seen Renfield. I saw Renfield in theaters. Um, I didn't get to see Cocaine Bear. I wanted to, I didn't get to. And I also... uh, Never saw Thanksgiving slash Thanksgiving. Which was probably a good thing because that movie was terrible. But again, I do think it's interesting how we're kind of mentioning this switch from like perfect society and shifting into more of this gritty but also lighthearted, more like human nature type style. And while Renfield is about vampires, vampires <laughs> Cocaine Bear is about a bear that goes on a cocaine-fueled <laughs> frenzy... And Thanksgiving is about, you know, serial killers that want to kill people because of Black Friday. Like, I think just going back and taking these absolutely ludicrous premises that all have a lot of underlying themes in, like, serious topics. Like, Renfield is about um, police and cops and drugs and gangs, but it's you know, kind of overshadowed and features a lot about, like, toxic relationships. You know, Cocaine Bear, again, is about, like, drugs and parenting and the government. Thanksgiving is about consumerism. Like, it has a lot of these serious underlying themes 
that is overshadowed by its goofiness. And I think that's a good thing that it's kind of making these serious topics more friendly and more appealing for the average American. Absolutely. Yeah, I think there's definitely this uh, like intellectualization of certain topics where uh, ideas aren't necessarily very accessible or easy to understand for the average person. I think it's nice that we're that to sometimes have a simpler film with more simple messaging that uh, people can anyone can identify with or understand. So that just about wraps up all of our delightful little rated R mm-hmm. comedy <laughs> trend of 2023. But I don't know. It's it's food for thought, thinking what more we have to come just the farther away we get from the pandemic and the more Gen Z gets older and gets more power in film and society, seeing how, like, these are just small influences in movies and TV, but it's so inter- interesting to think how you know, the pandemic can affect, you know, everything else besides just film and expression in that way. Exactly. Lockdown may be over, but its effects are, they're not gone. Yeah. So, I don't know, think about, it's interesting to think about, you know, what can come in 2024. I'm so excited because I love this genre of goofy, you know, silly, crazy comedy and horror slasher Everything, I love it so much, and I'm so excited to see what happens with that. Let's see what 2024 has in store. Yeah. So, anyways, with that, go forth and be morally incorrect and be just like, are you a debris from bottoms? And <laughs> go for oh, it. Call oh. somebody a skinny girl over here. Skinny girl. Oh, you're so skinny. You got to go to the hospital. You got to eat something crazy. <laughs> yeah, you're a little skinny mini. Yeah.